0: la verità ma oh, mao oh. c'è chi riesce a sopportar ma oh, mao
1: oh. tutti in guerra e non si sa che cosa mai succederà ma oh.
0: two or three things i know today's topic revenge
1: i like to think that's our topic every week on this show but it's particularly the topic this week
0: today we are talking about a trilogy of films by the korean director park chenok sympathy for mr vengeance old boy and sympathy for lady vengeance the informal vengeance trilogy all about cycles of revenge
1: and you know what we love on this podcast we love a bunch of things we love Weird vanity projects. We love it when writers try to make films for some reason. But I think what unites every episode of this show, or will continue to, is our love of informal trilogies.
0: That's exactly the concept I was going by when I started the podcast.
1: Yeah, informal trilogies. Just give me three films made by the same director that have vague thematic links or, like, they reference each other a little bit.
0: This is basically the or example of what i wanted to talk about on this podcast is this trilogy our
1: podcast will die when we watch uh three colors
0: i've still only seen two of the three
1: you don't know what the third color is yet no it could be anything
0: i think it's gonna be purple
1: we're not talking about three colors we're talking about the vengeance trilogy by park jenna who i will confess to having not seen a film by him until like two weeks ago. I am new to this. That's embarrassing to admit.
0: I basically got the idea to do something on Park Chan-wook after watching all three of the Vengeance trilogy films over the summer at TIFF, because they were doing this whole Korean cinema series. And I went to basically all the screenings, at least in July. And these were some of the films that stood out to me the most among that retrospective especially old boy like that was my first time seeing old boy and it blew my mind and usually on this pod we don't really care that much about spoilers but i would absolutely not recommend listening to this episode if you haven't seen old boy because that's definitely a movie you want to go into blind
1: yeah it's a movie where experiencing it as unspoiled as possible is the way to go i've probably made fun of people who talk about spoilers on this show Or at the very least on Twitter a fair bit. Mostly because I think it's, analytically speaking, not a really useful way to think about stuff. Most things that are spoiled are still good. I often go see movies because they've been spoiled to me. What I dislike about spoiler stuff is the way it forces people to be very muted in how they talk about movies. But in this case, I think it's defensible because the entire movie hinges on you sort of not knowing what's going on.
0: It hinges on ambiguity.
1: And don't we love ambiguity on the show?
0: All three of these movies hinge very much on a sort of moral ambiguity. They all
1: kind of throw you in the middle of the action and then rebuild throughout it. Particularly Lady Vengeance. We'll probably get to that one later.
0: (laughs) The first time I saw Lady Vengeance, it was the screening at TIFF, and I was like half an hour late because the GO train got stuck in between the two Mississauga stops so missing the first half hour of any movie will leave you confused but missing the first half hour of that movie i felt like i had no clue what was happening i loved it but i felt like i had no clue what was happening so i'm glad to have finally seen the first half hour of that movie
1: do you think you have the skeleton key to it now after seeing all of it yeah I'm glad. I feel like I don't have the skeleton key after seeing all of it, but I know it was really smart, and I know I'm going to keep thinking about it. I feel like an idiot for like skipping out on Park Chan wook for this long, because like now watching his stuff, I'm like, I think he might be one of the best contemporary filmmakers
0: decision to leave which we will talk about in a patreon bonus episode very soon that's how
1: much we care about spoilers you're gonna have to pay us money to be spoiled
0: i think it might be my favorite film of the year actually it's definitely my favorite film of the second half of the year i
1: haven't seen that many new movies this year but i i would say it's one of my favorite new movies over the last couple of years
0: oh it's incredible
1: I've seen it twice already, and I want to see it again.
0: You would have seen it a third time if you could have? Yeah, I would. I 100%
1: would watch it again, because it's really, really good. And really smart and really funny, but we'll get to that later. First, we should talk about the first film in the series, you know, chronological order and all that.
0: Let's go back to the early 2000s.
1: Nickelback ruled the radio. The Matrix Reloaded was being made. I'm painting a picture for our listeners.
0: (laughs) Kevin Smith was the next Spielberg.
1: 9 11 just happened.
0: They actually acknowledge 9 11 in Old Boy, which is funny.
1: We have Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, the first film and probably the least characteristic of the trilogy.
0: It's very much an odd one out in both the trilogy and in the Park Chanuk oeuvre. It's done in a very different style especially when you watch it and old boy more or less back to back like i did you almost get a sort of whiplash on how stylistically different the two films are while being not at all dissimilar thematically.
1: Yeah, there's a lot that connects the movies, but the core kind of difference across the two is that Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is an extremely gritty film in a way that isn't... *Old Boy* and Lady Vengeance are very expressionist films. They're very full of deliberately non-realistic coloring and palettes and crazy camera moves and all sorts of this stuff. Whereas so much of the bread and butter of Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is these single long takes
0: The most flashy thing about Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is the lead character's hair color.
1: The flashiest bit probably in the film is when they're climbing up the stairs and you see the frame get smaller and smaller. The stuff that's flashy in this movie is almost painterly, if that makes any sense, where he's just letting the camera sit down and is watching sort of a tableau
0: as opposed to the other two, which are like PS2 cutscenes.
1: This one is closer to a Mikael Haneke film.
0: I was waiting for someone to say that because that's very much the most obvious point of stylistic comparison is Haneke versus the other two, which Haneke would probably spit at.
1: There's an interview with Haneke where he's asked about Oliver Stone and Quentin Tarantino's films, and what Haneke says is burned into my brain to this day, where he's asked about natural-born killers and Pulp Fiction, and he said the difference between me and Tarantino is that he uses a fascist aesthetic towards an anti-fascist end. Whereas I use an anti-fascist aesthetic towards an anti-fascist end, which is, damn, he's really spitting. This movie is, dare I say, Brachian.
0: I was waiting for someone to say that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. This movie is a lot more cold and detached than the other two.
0: That's not a complaint.
1: Yeah, it's not a complaint at all. I love Anakin.
0: Even though Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is probably my least favorite of the trilogy, it's very much so by like a hair.
1: I'd say it's probably my favorite or second favorite film in the trilogy. I have to think about this a lot more when I rewatch them, which I will definitely do.
0: I'm actually 16 years old, so of course, Old Boy is my favorite.
1: We were all 16 once. I guess those of us younger than 16.
0: Some of us are only 15.
1: If you're listening to this show and you're like under 15, I'm like genuinely impressed. I will say that.
0: I would hope not.
1: There's no way anyone under 15 listens to the show. I would say write in, but we don't have a way for you to write in, so...
0: Yes, we do. I have an email address set
1: up. Oh, we do have an email address. I didn't realize that. If you want to wow us the, the fact that you're 14 and just watched Salah or whatever, we'll be we'll be game for that. But...
0: <laughs> if you're 11 years old and you just watched Solaris...
1: You just watched the remake, Solaris, directed by... I'm forgetting his name.
0: Steven Soderbergh, George Clooney Solaris.
1: Yeah, Soderbergh, yeah. That's still a very funny thing that he made that.
0: Is it as weird as Spike Lee boy,
1: Which we will not be covering, despite it being threatened to be covered at some point. Dante, you actually made notes, so...
0: What I wrote is, the violence is about as unsensationalized as Park Chinook is possibly capable of being, and this isn't to say the violence in the other two films is just, you know, for show, because it's not, but the violence in this film is actively off-putting there's not even a semblance of flair or style to it it's just brutality
1: we should probably like give the basics of the plot because this is the one that probably least people listening have seen it's about this guy who's deaf and mute yeah deaf and mute yes who has to afford getting a was it a blood transfusion or something like that oh i forgetting?
0: deaf-mute artist named Ryu, who drops out of art school to take care of his sister with some sort of terminal illness that requires a kidney transplant.
1: Yeah, it was a kidney, yes. Sorry.
0: (laughs) Since... He's not in school and he's working a shitty dancer in the dark tier job that he gets fired from. He can't afford it, so he sells one of his own kidneys to the black market and he does it to cover the cost of the transplant and to get a kidney, but he gets scammed out of money, the exact type of money that it would cost him for the transplant, that's suddenly an option that he has because they found a donor so that's the first in many many cruel ironic events of the film so his wannabe anarchist girlfriend played by Bay i hope i'm pronouncing that right arranges the kidnapping of the daughter of a ceo or some sort of a businessman he's the owner
1: of the company that ryu worked for for being fired
0: yeah he kidnaps her daughter and for kidnappers, they treat her pretty decently. Like, they do arts and crafts with her. They feed her. They aren't, like, hurting her or anything. She does not know that she is kidnapped.
1: She also says to Rio that there's a good kidnapping and there's bad kidnapping.
0: And by that logic, they definitely do a pretty good kidnapping, I would say.
1: I mean, up until a certain point.
0: They're doing good at kidnapping they take care of her well they teach her how to do crafts and stuff it's like a day cam he
1: watches cartoons with her that korean cartoon that honestly looks pretty good all cartoons considered
0: they take care of her but this sister she's like fuck you kidnapping is the worst and kills herself
1: When I saw that, I was like, is kidnapping really the worst crime you can do?
0: Well, she seems to think so.
1: It's bad. I'm not going to pretend otherwise, but, like, murder exists.
0: And speaking of murder, following his sister's suicide, he goes to the lake to bury her.
1: With rocks in the thing. It's this very, very striking image of him putting the rocks on top of her.
0: And he goes alone with the daughter of the person he kidnapped. She ends up drowning, and being deaf-mute, he can't hear her because he's trying to bury his sister.
1: And then this man, who's paralyzed, I want to say, comes up to them and he tries to, like, throw the rocks off as they're being buried, which is also quite striking.
0: The CEO finds out that his daughter's been killed through negligence, more or less. I mean through a freak accident and he's obviously furious
1: yeah i mean understandably
0: <laughs> basically the rest of the film is just people extracting revenge on each other so yeah you know it's a nice light fun film
1: yeah, nice light comedy.
0: It is grimly funny how it's basically just one horrible coincidence after another. And
1: I think one thing that's really interesting about this film in particular in the series is how focused it is on class dynamics.
0: Yeah, it's more class focused than the other two, I would say. And
1: I think that's something that seems to unite a lot of Park Wook's films in general is there's a real focus on class divisions and how they affect how people live their lives and also so how they affect the morality of how people live their lives if you're poor or whatever there are certain things that you have to do to survive which might preclude being a good person
0: another thing that i would say unites all three of these films and also just a lot of the broader sort of specter of park Chan-wook's filmography is the use of language in all three films this one does this very cool thing where it uses Intertitles to convey Ryu's thought, which I think is very interesting. And then Old Boy kind of plays with language. We'll talk about that later because there's no way to talk about it without getting into the plot. And then Lady Vengeance uses language because there's a character who only speaks English and a character who only speaks Korean, and they have to sort of figure out how to communicate with each other.
1: And to plant a seed, Decision to Leave is about a Korean Chinese divide.
0: This is not Park Chanuk's first film, but this is what he wants you to think is his first film joint security area is also about relationships between countries, and obviously language is a very important tool in that movie as well.
1: In Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, though, the language barrier is also really reflected in the scene where Ryu's fired. The guy is trying to be nice to him or whatever, and Ryu's just sitting there stunned because, you know, he can't hear
0: No one in this movie really has it all that great.
1: Yeah, there's really nobody who's, like, a good person in this entire film.
0: Uh- the daughter and the sister they're kind of passive entities that have things happen to them as opposed to people who actually do stuff if that makes sense although the sister's suicide is very much an active action that kind of sets a lot of stuff into motion
1: it would be weird to say she's like a bad person um, therefore across all these films there's people who are in very morally compromising situations
0: that's very much like a thing that Park Chinook plays with, especially in these films, but it's never not something he's aware of, I would say, moral complexity, but these are obviously the most infamously moral complex films he's made. And this one especially, I mean, as the trilogy continues, I would say the morality begins to become a bit more black and white. It's still very ambiguous, but Sympathy for Lady Vengeance has a character who is very clearly evil. Old boy...
1: But I'd say, like, even in Lady Vengeance, the clear evilness does create a moral dilemma for all the parents in the ending. As to what do we do with this guy? Like, Lady Vengeance is a movie that's less focused on my mind on those basic moral questions of who is right here and more what does justice look like?
0: Yeah, and it is a bit more of an absurd situation than sympathy for Mr. Vengeance because it's true that there are some people who just have the brunt of responsibility that they simply do not have the means to deal with on their own. Like, that's just a thing that happens. Sympathy for Lady Vengeance and old boy, those things don't- Those aren't like common everyday occurrences. (laughs)
1: Yeah, kidnapping happens a fair bit, but not.
0: People don't have old boy done to them.
1: <laughs> Other than on, like, the fringes corners of prank channel YouTube.
0: <laughs> prank doing old boy to my cousin.
1: If old boy became popular now, I 100% could foresee YouTube videos being called, like, doing the old boy challenge. <laughs> You know like that Mr. Beast guy? He would like conduct Old Boy on people.
0: We lock this man in a room for fifteen years. You won't believe what happens next.
1: I'm having such a hard time making a joke there without spoiling the movie. <laughs> we should finish Mr. Vengeance before spoiling Old Boy.
0: Everyone in this movie gets finished.
1: Everyone dies. Literally everyone. There is the, the dad, Ryu.
0: It ends in a violent clash. Where Ryu is narrowly killed by the businessman, and then the businessman is killed because his girlfriend's terrorist cell shows up. Which
1: the film never indicates is real up to this point. It should be clear until the ending. We have no idea, because the police say there's only one person in this anarchist cell, and it's herself.
0: Well, I believe her because I believe women that she's got a La Chinois type situation going on.
1: Like, the police are like, oh wow, she's the only person in this. And that sort of leads you to doubt the thing that she says earlier while she's being gruesomely tortured she says if you kill me they'll come after you
0: and then they do and no one gets away with anything
1: except that cell they end up kind of okay
0: they lost like one person
1: they lost their leader or whatever anarchism is the only thing that comes out pretty good
0: i would say these are pretty left-leaning films especially this one
1: yeah because i mean it's all about class divide when the police officer is interviewing the dad he's like have you made any enemies and he's like i like to think i've led a good life the police officer says everyone says that and then asks him what his net worth is like the movie in that point is clearly morally implicating this guy even though his child was kidnapped
0: and they the anarchist girlfriend does talk a lot about like we wouldn't need to do this if we add health care
1: she's out in the street giving out flyers talking about american imperialism
0: she's the one who knows what's up
1: American imperialism is another thing, like, that looms over this movie, I think. Everywhere in the background, you just see these hallmarks of American popular culture and all sorts of stuff that sort of looms around these films, which is not, like, a criticism, I should say. It's a reflection of how it must have felt and probably still feels to live in South Korea, which, you know, for the longest time was run by an anti-communist military dictatorship that was explicitly funded by the United States. So, in this film, a lot of it feels very. The other clear national politics in the film is it said that the Bay Donna character, she attempted to escape to North Korea at one point in the past so across all of these films there's this uh, this sort of because you know South Korea is a pretty small country all things considered there's this sort of looming feeling of both like the United States Japan China Australia and North Korea are all sort of present there you know
0: there's very much a sort of acknowledgement of like Korea's place in the world both culturally and physically in all three films and across his filmography
1: and also just like economically <laughs> what makes Mr. Van in my mind such a great piece of filmmaking is the way it does long takes I find very interesting because like they're not long takes in the way that I think people think when they think long take when you think long take you think Goodfellas or I am Cuba or boogie nights or whatever
0: stuff that's very flashy or the opening sequence of the player
1: or the opening sequence of touch evil
0: which they talk about in the player
1: <laughs> in all of these scenes the camera is moving around it's swooshing and it's really interesting always for me a technical standpoint of this is really hard to pull off effectively
0: in sympathy for mr vengeance a lot of the time it's more or less let's just keep the master shot going
1: which i love i love that as a style it's
0: very distant it's very early fassbender
1: it's very like you've seen funny games right
0: i've seen the 2006 remake of funny games with tim roth
1: Basically the same movie, but with a different cinematographer and actors. But the scene, there's like a 10-minute long take in that movie where you just see in the remake the Naomi Watts character just crying, if you remember that. I think that is closer to how this movie conceptualizes long takes not as these flashy exercises, which I love. I love it when movies have long, flashy, long takes.
0: It's less throwing the camera around and more just keeping it running.
1: Yeah, it's keeping it running. It really builds a sense of realism. It really builds a sense of the world. And a lot of them are kind of stylized in this sort of, as I said, almost like tableau-ish way.
0: The film looks beautiful. It's very visually striking, not in a flashy way, but more like the colors almost pop.
1: The colors are almost like upsetting at points. And I think that's a good thing.
0: You have like the bright green of the river where Ryu gets stabbed and you have his hair.
1: Those bright green lights in the film.
0: The sort of flashing green lights of the construction place he works
1: and green is this really unnatural color obviously like lighting doesn't normally look like that so whenever you do see green lighting in a film that's a tell that someone wanted this to look like this
0: all three of these films are pretty upsetting in their own ways i would say this one might be the most like just on a gut level
1: or there's like the bit where like the four guys in the apartment next to them are like jerking each other off
0: to the sound of the daughter wailing in pain because of her kidney giving out
1: like stuff like that is just
0: it's just like wow the world is horrible i remember when i saw it at tiff over the summer i ducked out uh to use the washroom at one point and there was this girl and she was like do you like the movie i don't someone took me to see it i had to leave halfway
1: through I, i'm gonna call out uh for a moment whoever like dragged Presumably a date or a friend to go see this without telling them. What an asshole. I'm so like, don't do that. I will say that for our listeners. Do not force your dates or friends to watch these movies unless you at least explain to them that yeah, they're a bit gruesome, you know. Might not be your thing.
0: No, take your daughter to see old boy instead.
1: Yeah, old boy's a bit actually, is it? No, it's not. What am I talking about? I missed your obvious joke there. Um, which were planting seeds. Much like Old Boy.
0: We're doing Old Boy to the audience.
1: If you give us enough money on the Patreon, we will do Old Boy.
0: It'll be a great excuse for me not to edit for 15 years.
1: Contractors are standing by. The official two or three things I know a uh, construction company.
0: Somewhere in Ontario.
1: In an undisclosed location in Ontario. We're building a secret maximum security prison.
0: Canadian Old Boy remake.
1: But I think with, like, Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, a lot of the shots, like the long takes, are very flat in a way that I think is good. In a way that, as I said, it's kind of tableau-ish. It's oftentimes, like, the long takes of just them walking up the stairs and you just see them from the side.
0: That is... Beautiful. Even the scene at the end where the businessman is killing Ryu, there's a weird sort of beauty to that, just like how bright and vibrant the colors are. But it's also like horrifying. He'll just physically wince at some of the shots. I know I did.
1: There's so many moments in the film where you will just give up. Like, not give up. You'll just give out a (gasps) pig. Which is why I'd be afraid if I watched this in a theater. I'd be the person saying, oh God, oh God, involuntarily.
0: Oh God, oh man.
1: I would 100% be going like, oh god, oh man, at this movie.
0: Unlike Old Boy and Lady Vengeance, which also, to be fair, have got a lot of upsetting shit happening in them, there's not a lot of stylism to chase the shot with, if that makes sense.
1: The stylistics in this are so muted at points. You can't be going, oh wow, this is a really beautiful long take. You're instead like gritting your teeth as you're seeing this static shot unfold in front of you of extraordinary, Extreme violence.
0: You're just watching this girl die. Or like you're reading a suicide note from the sister.
1: There's not a lot of stuff that isn't deeply upsetting in this movie. So it's clearly not for everyone, but it is for me, I will say that. I loved the shit out of this movie. I think it's so well made. It's a perfect aesthetic object. It's so well conceived. It's a points deeply upsetting. I think what I like about the film is it's upsetting in a way that feels entirely... Humane, if that makes any sense. Park chan wook is deeply invested in the fact that all of these characters are these complicated living people, and that only makes it so much harder to watch them just slowly kill each other.
0: Yeah, I mean, even the CEO. I mean, he's got a lot of money, but he's not, like, a comically bad person, like the equivalent character in Lady Vengeance.
1: He's a person trapped in systems beyond his control, basically, like every character in the film.
0: He's not... Like a massive cunt like Wujin is.
1: The film humanizes him, but it also doesn't use that as apologia for the fact that this guy is a piece of shit who has maintained a massive amount of wealth off the backs of his employees who are all perpetually on the verge of death. That's a really delicate balance. It humanizes him without using humanization as an excuse to wave away people's flaws.
0: Yeah, it's very much like this guy's human. He's in a horrible position But a lot of the other people in this movie also do horrible things, and the fact that Ryu is poor doesn't necessarily excuse him kidnapping someone.
1: Also, just the whole concept of revenge, which these movies are really interested in interrogating. These movies, like all great revenge tragedies are back to the 17th century, at the very least are aware of the fact that revenge is not actually satisfactory but people still need it
0: all three of the films sort of interrogate that in some way and this one is easily the least satisfying like there are moments of satisfaction in the other two films but this one there's not a moment even for a second where the audience is like go for it man it's all just like Ugh, this could have been avoided, but systems allowed it to happen. It's like that.
1: It is like so much of great tragic theater, very interested in the fact that revenge doesn't actually solve anything, which is a truism. But I think what the films all recognize is that revenge is basically, for these people at least, psychologically necessary as a means of processing what happened to them.
0: They're all about trauma.
1: <laughs> yeah, they're all about trauma, basically. I think a lot of movies are about trauma. I'm an intellectual defender of it's about trauma, but.
0: It's about trauma, it's about class, it's about leftism.
1: You should watch it, actually. I will say. I don't think everyone will like these movies, particularly Mr. Vengeance.
0: It's a worthy intellectual exercise. It's the least immediately likable of the trilogy, I would say. What's really
1: interesting to me is that Mr. Vengeance got profoundly mixed reviews when it came out.
0: I can see that. I don't think it's a bad movie, obviously. I love all three of these movies, and basically the second I finished watching this trilogy, I was like, we need to do this at some point. But I can certainly see with this one, walking out of it with a very bitter taste in your mouth.
1: If you, unlike Dante or I, have a weak stomach for this kinds of stuff that might dictate your opinions a bit. I mean, I have a weak stomach and I enjoyed it. But like, if you're someone who doesn't enjoy being in deeply upsetting situations-
0: I would say the situations are a lot more upsetting than the violence itself, if that makes sense. Like, oh, someone got cut with a knife in the ocean. I got cut with a knife in my kitchen once, the circumstances that lead to it are just horrendous
1: and then it's so completely grim from beginning to end there isn't like a moment of catharsis people are just consistently in shit.
0: while the other two films a lot of the very physical acts are horrendous while in this one it's more what led to them that's horrendous someone getting a tooth pulled out like that is just brutal no matter how you slice it but someone getting like Eh. It's not super-duper extreme violence. It's just an extremely grim situation that led to the violence.
1: A lot of the negative reviews of Mr. Vengeance hinge on the idea that its social commentary is not particularly developed, which I think is wrong. Even a lot of the negative reviews will acknowledge that the film is very well made, but they'll go, is there substance to this style? And I would say that question is obviously true. Also, style is basically substance. The distinction there is weird. It's an extremely well-constructed piece of drama. I think a lot of the negative reviews have this real sense of people attempting to justify being grossed out by it and not really interrogating why they feel grossed out by it.
0: It's not like Park Chinook is ever unaware of how horrifying all this stuff is. If anything it's more aware or it feels more cautious than Old Boy or Lady Vengeance just because there's that lack of overt stylism. There's no satisfying moments in this. There are some satisfying moments in Old Boy. I know Old Boy is about how Ultimately, revenge will leave you feeling hollow, but goddamn, if there aren't some satisfying moments in that.
1: Reading the highlights from the Rotten Tomatoes reviews from 2005.
0: The peak of intellectual discourse, to be sure.
1: Yeah, but a lot of these critics are just like, oh, this is too violent for my tastes. It's too shocking and it doesn't justify being shocking, which I don't believe for a second.
0: You're a film critic in the early 2000s. You're the fucking people who gave Tarantino his money. What the fuck are you saying? It's too violent.
1: Yeah, I think these movies, Mr. Vengeance in particular, they're unsparingly violent, they're unsparingly groomed, but they're made with such a deep affection for the characters almost.
0: I mean, two of them have the word sympathy in the title. And what's interesting about the title of this film, I want to talk about the title of this film, because in Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, which is actually not called that in Korea, it's pretty damn clear who the title is referring to. It's referring to Gwemja. While in this one, which one of these two fellows is Mr. Vengeance?
1: They're both Mr. Vengeance.
0: If I'm Mr. Vengeance and you're Mr. Vengeance, who's flying the plane? <laughs>
1: yeah across all of these characters they all are seeking their own forms of vengeance what makes the film so upsetting i think is it's basically like watching a bunch of dominoes unfold but all of the dominoes involve human suffering yeah you know how it has to end but you're still like oh i want them to figure this out if they just sat down and talked to each other what if we didn't live in a capitalist society
0: what if the world was better
1: what if the world was set up in a way that these structures weren't in place that didn't make people do these vile things to each other. And that's why I think it's a very humane film, even though it's a very violent and grotesque film. At every moment, it's aware of how grotesque the situations for these people are. The moment in the film where Bay Donna's character again. She's like, oh, we're just doing capitalism. She says when they're doing the kidnapping. She's like, oh, it's just business. And that, to me, is such a loaded phrase. She's going, we're just doing what they do, but on a lower scale. We're just transferring goods, too. We're just meeting market demands where they are.
0: There's good kidnappings and bad kidnappings.
1: Yeah, which has this mirror, rhetorically, in people being like, oh, well, there's this hypothetically good capitalism out there. There's the moral capitalism and then there's the immoral capitalism. There's the immoral capitalism where, you know, they don't think about their workers, but then there's the hypothetically existing good moral capitalist society that is rhetorically used to justify all sorts of brutality. This film is just that on a personal scale. If I can hinge this all on a cliche, if I can put it on a cliche that I think is true, these films are all about the personal as political.
0: Hit me with that truism.
1: It's a truism for a reason though. It's a kind of basic annoying feminist truism, but
0: it's very much true that like these characters personal problems unfold in very political ways. They're very much politicized just through the presence of Beidouna's anarchist tendencies that aren't quite as overt in the other two films. But
1: it's always simmering.
0: It's always simmering and I would say it almost comes to a boil in Lady Vengeance. Like you could make tea with that water in Lady Vengeance.
1: The politics tea. Well,
0: with Old Boy it would be like lukewarm at best. But it's still there. The heat is still running Ang.
1: Across all these films, there's a sense of the fact that these people are controlled by things beyond themselves.
0: Yeah, which in the real world is 9 times out of 10 capitalism, and in these films, it's sometimes capitalism, it's sometimes that weird guy you went to high school with.
1: If I were to agree with the negative assessments of this film, I would have to conclude that it's not a very moral film, but I think it's a deeply moral film. But it's moral in a way that I think people don't process morality as but it's like in my mind a better it's a moral film not in the sense that it's lecturing you about things but it's moral in the sense that it's going okay this is the logical extrapolation of how our world works do you like this Probably not.
0: This is getting upsetting. Let's talk about something nice like Old Boy.
1: Old Boy, you know, nothing bad happens in Old Boy.
0: This is the point where if you haven't seen Old Boy, I would turn off the podcast. Turn off the podcast, go watch Old Boy, and then come back. How the fuck have
1: people not seen Old Boy, though? I mean, I literally saw it this week, so I don't think I can judge here. But you know, it's a pretty popular film.
0: It was popular enough for Spike Lee to do an American remake.
1: And it's popular enough to be, as I imagine, slumber party fair for a generation of teenage boys.
0: That is spiritually why I like old boys so much, because when I saw it in the theater, I almost had the feeling that I was like at a slumber party. It's very much a film that, like, someone shows you after telling you nothing about other than the name, and you just kind of have your mind blown. It's edited in a very specific, very flashy way. There's a quote from Park Chan-wook where he says that he's, quote, never played a computer game, which is funny to me. But this is very much, it feels like a PS2 game. That's the best way to put it.
1: Yeah, this film is very, it's very Fight Club. It's very The Matrix Reloaded.
0: This is a movie that you would put on if your hands get sore after playing Resident Evil 4 for two days straight and you want the same vibes.
1: This has Resident Evil 4 vibes. This has Metal Gear Solid 2 vibes. It also, I think, stylistically harkens to the Spaghetti Western very frequently. If for no other reason than that score, that very morricone e trumpet that plays during the bit in the hallway.
0: If I may reuse an obnoxious term I used in, like, a paper I wrote for a film class once, it's very much a postmodern Western in the same vein as Taxi Driver. There's like a bit of similarities between this and Taxi Driver. There's the sort of the guy like needs to get really buff so we can get revenge. Although this guy definitely has more reasons to want to get revenge than Travis Bickle does, I would say.
1: I mean, Travis Bickle was in fucking Nam though.
0: This guy was just in a room for 15 years.
1: Yeah, being in a room for 15 years. I feel like people think being in solitary confinement is easier than it actually is it's one of those things that like if you know anything about the criminal justice system if
0: you've ever been in like a remotely similar situation
1: hell if you've just like read about it there's this assumption that oh this is like easy i could do it
0: if you've been on the bus alone at midnight and your phone's dead
1: yeah like that
0: and you miss your stop and you don't know where you're going there's just a sort of sense of like terror of i don't know what's gonna happen next
1: and I think that's the one thing that's really upsetting about the beginning of Old Point. He doesn't really know why he's imprisoned.
0: Yeah, and we're not really given a lot of information about this guy. We're shown that he's, you know, a down-on-his-love businessman who maybe likes to drink a bit too much sometimes and he's got a daughter which is a brief footnote but it obviously becomes very important later um it might be worth summing up the film for like all the fuckers who didn't listen to me when I told them to stop listening if they hadn't seen the movie I'm gonna ruin it for you and I'm really sorry but it's your fault it's your fault
1: I'm not sorry I am not sorry at all you disobeyed us so you deserve it to be spoiled actually
0: we'll just hypnotize them and make them forget about it at the end of the episode
1: yeah we're just gonna like gaslight a bunch of people in a room i'm giving away the movie see we're just gonna lock a bunch of people in a room make them forget old boy and then force them to watch old boy
0: so the plot of old boy Su, which is a pun almost on Oedipus, which is very important
1: damn yeah, i wonder what that has to do with the movie like this
0: you know just a weird little coincidence that his name kind of sounds like Oedipus.
1: Uh, I didn't know that until now, actually, but I want to point out that when I was watching it, I did predict the twist.
0: Yeah, that's not exactly the only hint to what's gonna happen in the film. It's a film where you can sort of slowly piece together what's happening, and that's, I'll be honest, part of the fun of Old Boy.
1: I don't want to be like, oh, the movie's bad because I saw what was happening. No, the movie is good because it's setting up what will happen with hints and clues, and if you are an intelligent viewer, you can piece it together before the characters do.
0: And if you can then that just makes it all the more exciting when it happens, because it's like, oh my fucking god, it's like a George C. Scott and Hardcore moment. Oh my god, that's my daughter. That's what the movie's about, basically.
1: Even if you don't know what's coming, after you realize it was right in front of you, if you just thought about it the right way, you would have figured it out. That's what's always very satisfactory about, like, mystery stories.
0: It's such a satisfying movie, and in that way, it's almost like a complete opposite movie of Mr. Vengeance because there's no real plot twist in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance. The plot twist is the world is a terrible place. It's just
1: suffering. That's the plot twist, is people suffer.
0: I guess that her gang was real, but that's kind of, that like literally happens at the very end when you've kind of seen everything happen. Yeah,
1: that's more of like a last minute reveal. The movie isn't structured around a mystery.
0: Yeah. Well, this one very much is. This one is very much more about the why than Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance is, we already know the why more or less straight away, which is capitalism. But in this one, capitalism is still looming over, but capitalism didn't necessarily make Otisu go to prison or go to motel room as it may be. That's like a circumstance totally out of his control. And now it's up to him with very little memory of what happened to figure it out. And he meets a girl along the way and they you know fall in love
1: as one does
0: he eventually tracks down his ex-classmate lee wujian who's like this guy who's just he's a smarmy freak he is that is perfect casting of a guy with like an incredibly smug face.
1: I love the way that the movie has just this, uh, we do a little trolling kind of energy about him. He's just like doing this all to like fuck with him, to fuck with Ode Sue. It's very architect in The Matrix Reloaded in a way that I like.
0: He's in it for the long game. He's gonna put this guy, make him undergo like an already insane psychological torment of being locked up for 15 years. And then, as he's released, set him up to just get this utterly horrific revelation that, I guess I have to say the quiet part out loud, he's been fucking his daughter.
1: He's like, what if Moriarty from Sherlock was a well-written character?
0: His motivations are, basically, he was fucking his sister and he got mad that this guy started a rumor in high school about it
1: he was also doing incest
0: he's literally petty about something that the main character didn't even get hypnotized to forget he just straight up forgot
1: that's one of my favorite lines in the movie is he said oh did you like hypnotize me no he's like no you just forgot it
0: i don't remember all the shit i said in high school i feel like if there was a guy at my school who was fucking his sister and then she killed herself i would remember that i don't know if i'd remember the exact specific details and especially not like 15 years on i only graduated. Five years ago.
1: My life is now a perpetual attempt at forgetting high school. I will be happy once I forget high
0: school. There is sort of, in all three of these films, a sort of theme of family that kind of runs through. In Old Boy, it's much more on the What if there was incest end, versus what if you were protecting a loved one end? One
1: thing that's funny is, I was messaging a friend when I was watching Old Boy, and I mentioned that the twist was gonna happen, and then I saw it, and I messaged her, and it was like, I knew he was fucking his daughter, all caps, and then I get a message back from this friend, and she's like, this was the weirdest text to receive without context.
0: What do you mean, fucking his daughter? I just asked if we needed eggs or not. And
1: in her words, it was a W for vulgar Freudianism. All these movies do feel very, if I can be pretentious about it, psychoanalytically informed. Park Chanuk studied philosophy. And one thing that I want to point out from his Wikipedia page, which is a he's just like me for real moment, is when he went to philosophy, he was very disappointed that the philosophy department he was in was an analytic philosophy department which is just like me for real. So he just started writing art criticism, which is just like me for real. So I wouldn't be shocked if the man has a certain psychoanalytic orientation about him. I mean, literally naming a character fucking Oedipus, I think we can say there's at least something going on there.
0: I mean, it's literally just like Oedipus meets Count of Monster Criso meets PlayStation 2 meets the early 2000s as like an aesthetic period. I
1: think that's one reason I dislike like the film more than the other two. I still like the film. It feels less unique. There are a lot of action movies from the two thousands that are sort of doing this thing.
0: I mean, they probably are all following an old boy's footsteps is the thing.
1: Stylistically, this feels very of its time, in a way that I think Lady Vengeance and Mr. Vengeance don't.
0: I mean Mr. Vengeance, stylistically, it's kind of just bare bones and that really does work. Well Lady Vengeance, I feel like is kind of it's got a bit of both going on
1: lady vengeance feels like a much more personal style though
0: that's true i mean i
1: should say this is a great like this is clearly a good movie like i don't want to
0: i would say it's one of my favorite movies ever i just get such a visceral sense of excitement watching it
1: i felt a bit colder watching it i think but i still enjoyed it
0: (laughs) I would say that it's a very watchable film that is also very hard to re-watch because you are coming back to this film with the knowledge that that's his daughter, which obviously makes it way harder to watch him have sex with her.
1: The reaction when I talked about doing the film on the podcast is a bunch of people's reactions was, oh god, I saw that when I was in high school and does it hold up? And this is very much a film I think you should watch in high school.
0: Ask your dad to go see it with you.
1: I feel like your dad is cool enough that you could do that. My dad is not. When I told my dad I was going to see Decision to Leave again, he was like, oh, is that the the, the Korean movie? And he's like, oh, how do you watch it? It's like, oh, you know, subtitles.
0: Well, with my mom, it's more like, oh, I'd love to go see that, but I'm really busy this week. And this is an off topic tangent, but it's really sad that when a new Marvel movie comes out, like one just did, that theaters become like 24 seven Marvel zones because there's like an audience for films like Decision to Leave and the more arty films I guess for the lack of a better word there's people who like are culturally well versed but also like don't have the means to go to a theater like five times or even three times a week and they basically have to if they want to see like everything worth seeing before it gets taken over by Marvel and there are independent cinemas that do mitigate that but the problem with the independent cinemas is these places only have one screen and they can only do so many screenings before the next art house thing comes in so it's like you'll have a movie from like a big prolific filmmaker like claire denis and it plays for like four days
1: i should say i didn't get the chance to see tar for that reason i was in toronto i could have gone to see it i wanted to spend time with my girlfriend instead
0: you don't want to go see a movie about a predatory lesbian with your girlfriend (laughs) not
1: particularly
0: that's fair old boy is also kind of about if you say it's about cancel fuck you
1: (laughs) fuck you so much okay what's your reason
0: well the cancel culture thing people are like these people get horrible punishments that are disproportionate to what they did and you want to talk about disproportionate Punishments try being locked up in solitary confinement for 15 years and then leaving solitary confinement, meeting someone who you think you can get on with, and you know, you start a relationship with them, only to find out that person is your daughter. That's pretty disproportionate. People talk about, like, oh, Jordan Peterson got cancelled because he got banned from Twitter. Talk to me when he has an old boy happen to him. I mean,
1: He has a daughter.
0: No, his daughter is kind of doing old boy to him.
1: Old boy could literally happen to Jordan Peterson.
0: He did get, like, put in a coma. That's kind of old boy adjacent.
1: Yeah, he was put in the coma in that, like, weird Russian... I was convinced he was gonna die. Once Jordan Peterson dies, there would be, like, a good art movie to be made about this, like, insane fascistic Jungian psychoanalyst being tortured by his equally insane and fascistic daughter. There's a movie to be made there, I think.
0: Chom and Sink is Jordan Peterson.
1: Parche Nook could do it. I think all the currently living filmmakers, he's up there for someone who I would trust with a story like, or, like yeah. Hanukkah, I think Hanukkah could do it. What I think old boy has going for it is, as you said, the sort of qualities of being a postmodern Western,
0: just like in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance, you sort of have two people doing revenge to each other and neither of them are particularly satisfying for the characters. It may or may not be satisfying for the audience.
1: Okay, when he does the big villain explaining things speech, basically, that's fucking satisfying.
0: That's satisfying if only because it's so well done.
1: I've also been like socially conditioned by The Matrix Reloaded to love scenes like that in movies.
0: It's just pure just cinema unfolding. He's basically like, he does this whole explanation and he's like, I'm gonna kill myself now. And, and he pulls out a gun. He basically just does that. Because his life, after he's successfully gotten his revenge, is meaningless.
1: There's also something grimly funny about Old Boy. There's something just conceptually funny about kidnapping someone and torturing them for 15 years just so you can force him to do incest. Like, that's very mad TV in its own way.
0: I'm sure there was a Mad Magazine parody of Old Boy.
1: Mad TV when, like, Jordan Peele and Keegan Michael Key were on it. They 100% could have done an Old Boy joke, knowing the kind of sicko Jordan Peele is, and I say that with the most admiration possible.
0: <laughs> I want to touch on the language in Old Boy because I feel like it's kind of impossible to talk about without getting into the plot. And this isn't really something that's super apparent to like an Anglo viewer like myself. There are various points in the film where Otisu will say something and people will be like, What's that guy talking about? And It's sort of an evolution of how languages can change over time, because the Korean language did change a lot in the 1990s, and this guy just was totally locked out of it. So, like, he had no way of knowing. He was
1: just raised on television for those 15 years.
0: He was in his room watching TV for 15 years, just like me for real.
1: Don't they call him, like, the TV guy at some points?
0: Being, like, in solitary confinement has just turned him into this total, like... Freak.
1: He's boxing in there. He's training at every moment to get ready to get his revenge.
0: He's kind of like so maladjusted when he gets out. It would almost be worse of Li Wuzhin to not set him up with his daughter because there's almost a spot of hope. It's like, oh, here's someone who can help me around, help me get my bearings straight. And she does for a bit. If they weren't having sex, it would probably be whatever but of course he also engineers them to have sex that's the important part
1: if i can use a extremely bizarre metaphor for a second to make something so crushing you do need to give the possibility of hope it's like being a detroit lions fan you know conceptually you're aware it's awful they suck and they're never gonna win anything but occasionally these glimmers of hope appear and the fact that the hope appears and is later crushed makes it worse. To quote Tom York from Radiohead, you do it to yourself and that's why it really hurts.
0: One interesting thing about Old Boy and this is kind of pivoting into the next film a bit is it's very structurally similar to Lady Vengeance. They have more in common plot-wise than either of them does with Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance.
1: I mean, they're both but being imprisoned for 10 plus years.
0: Both the ending of Old Boy and the ending of Sympathy for Lady Vengeance are the lead character Reuniting with their daughter in the snow. As a total aside, I watched both Old Boy and Lady Vengeance for the pod on the first snow day of the year, which is very fitting. Like, a great way to ring in the season, but...
1: It's a very Christmas film.
0: Especially Lady Vengeance.
1: Yeah, the ending is very, very Christmas, very festive.
0: I mean, and then it starts out with, like, the Santa parade.
1: That's a great bit. To circle back a little to finish up old boy, the comment about the postmodern Western has me thinking about the nebulous label of neo-noir, or noir in general, and the argument that other people have made is that the noir is a cityification of the Western. There's a Jim Kites who wrote the BFI book on Gun Crazy, makes this argument. And he's also a scholar of Westerns.
0: There's always some guy who wrote for BFI, isn't there?
1: And he's great. This book's really interesting. People should definitely read it. It's this very in-depth exploration of what Gun Crazy is about. And he makes this case that, amongst others, that so much of Gun Crazy and so much of the Western is kind of recontextualized iconography of the Old West, but it's kind of lost the Much like the Spaghetti Western lost the moralistic black hat, white hat edge. Like, you know, if you're watching a John Wayne movie from, like, the 40s, there's probably, like, a good sense of who the bad guy is. And it's very rarely John Wayne.
0: Old boy has a pretty clear sense of at the very least who the antagonist is
1: and that's very spaghetti western it's very like a klaus kinski villain you know like a spaghetti western from like the 60s like where there's just like this like maniacal
0: this comically evil guy but the protagonist
1: isn't a good person though (laughs) in a lot of those movies
0: and old boy is very much aware of that because there's a lot of scenes where we see him and he's just this total freak this isn't, like, the worst thing he does in the movie, but the scene where he goes to the restaurant and he just shoves this octopus into his mouth, that's not really a moral failing, but it is...
1: He says, I want to eat something living or whatever.
0: It's incredibly, like, bizarre. If I saw someone do that, I, would, I wouldn't i would think, like, oh, what a bad person. I would think, okay, this is strange.
1: He's another person who is in a very literal sense conditioned by his environment and conditioned literally by hypnosis and that's also very Metal Gear Solid 2 conceptually. Metal Gear Solid 2 is maybe the most important reference point for this podcast before like any book.
0: You've seen that picture one of many pictures of Kojima and Park Chinook like they have hung out with each other.
1: To be a fly on the wall in that conversation.
0: (laughs) Park Chinook is like I've never really played a computer game, so I didn't have much to talk about with this guy. I find it
1: really hard to believe he's never played a computer game considering old boy.
0: I mean, maybe he's played, like, iPhone, like, crosswords. I guess
1: maybe I'm thinking he is mining the same iconography and themes that people who made video games in the 2000s were mining from, like, action cinema and all that.
0: Yeah, I mean, they're shared dna
1: there's something very john Woo-ish almost about the movie
0: definitely the film is not just an action movie i want to be clear and it's totally underselling the deep psychoanalytic shit going on but at the same time that deep psychoanalytic shit is set against some pretty great action scenes
1: uh, the bit in the hallway is like Immaculate.
0: You want a great way to compare and contrast this with Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance? The long take, like, that is a very flashy, very good fellas restaurant, very in-your-face long take, very bragging about what you're doing. This isn't just, let's just do the master shot, give the actors time to really get in character. This is, okay, whoever's doing the camera, get ready because we're gonna do some crazy shit.
1: Yeah, we're gonna watch this guy just run around with a hammer like he's in fucking final fight that's another thing where I'm like are you sure you've never like that feels very like beat him up in video game
0: he got old boyed into thinking he's never played
1: a video game. But, like, you know what I mean, though, right? Like, there's a certain...
0: I know exactly what you mean. And, like, the fact that he's using, like, a mundane, everyday object as a weapon.
1: That's so fucking, like, beat-em-up. And I think, like, your tolerance for this film will depend almost entirely on how much stuff like that grates on you, maybe. If you think that's juvenile, you probably won't like it at all.
0: Like I said earlier, old boy speaks to the 16-year-old boy in me.
1: And I think 16-year-old boys do deserve to be spoken to.
0: The 16? 16 year
1: old boy? The 16 year old boy does deserve to be spoken to, and I think the 16 year old boy deserves movies that are this good instead of what they're usually given. They deserve movies that are kind of smart, at least. This is one of those
0: movies. I don't know if I've actually heard Tarantino talk about this, but of fucking course he loves this movie. He was
1: on the jury for Cannes the year this came out, and he wanted it to win the Palme d'Or.
0: That is like the least surprising thing I've ever heard.
1: I forget what it was in the running against. I'll look this up. I think it was something that Tarantino really didn't like. I have the Palme d'Or. Do you want to guess what it went to? You're not going to get it.
0: So I'm looking at the 2004 official selection.
1: There is no way you're going to guess it. Jury,
0: Quentin Tarantino, this is a wild fucking jury, by the way.
1: I'm going to name a couple of the films that were on the official competition, and I want you to guess.
0: Okay, in competition...
1: No, okay, you can't... It's going to tell you. I'm going to read them to
0: you. I scrolled down... It's on
1: the first line of the Wikipedia page. The Palm d'Or went
0: to... It lost to Fahrenheit 9 Yep. <laughs> the early 2000s were so fucking weird.
1: Yeah, I mean...
0: Like it was in competition against like Shrek 2. Shrek 2 2046 which I think is quite good.
1: Tropical Malady.
0: Woman is the future of man by Hong Sang-soo.
1: Ghost in the Shell 2. It,
0: it, this was a weird fucking year. What
1: a wild collection of films
0: there. It lost to Fahrenheit
1: 9/11. I will say, uncontroversially, probably. I think this is a better movie than Fahrenheit 9/11. I haven't
0: actually seen Fahrenheit 9/11, but I mean, Old Boy is like one of my favorite films. I'm gonna go out on a limb and say I like it more
1: than a Michael Moore movie.
0: Old Boy losing to Fahrenheit 9/11 is like the most 2000s sentence.
1: Uh, yeah, I think Old Boy is best appreciated after being in a social studies class in 2005-ish being made to watch Fahrenheit 9-11. You go home, you hop in your- on your CRT monitor.
0: You google what won at Cannes Film Festival, a thing I cared about when I was in high school.
1: I cared about fucking Cannes when I was in high school.
0: I actually had to watch a Michael Moore film in one of my social studies classes. It was not Fahrenheit 9-11 though, it was Bowling for Columbine.
1: I never watched Michael Moore. I watched my favorite, like, documentary in High School Story is when a teacher put on, this is not a joke, a documentary about how the Da Vinci Code is real, which I don't think is, for the record, responsible teaching. I don't think you should put on, like, a conspiracy theory documentary. In your classroom,
0: I feel like we've given old boy its day in the sun.
1: Yeah, this underserved film, old boy.
0: Well, I mean, it lost to fucking Fahrenheit nine eleven, so it can't be that loved.
1: Very hilarious list of films that came out in two thousand four.
0: In two thousand and I believe five, it could have been six. He created the follow up, which is Sympathy for Lady Vengeance, which is yet another film about revenge.
1: It's almost as if that's a reoccurring theme in the Revenge Trilogy.
0: It competed for the Golden Lion, which is the Venice equivalent of the Palme d'Or. Which
1: is the fascist version.
0: Okay, now I'm curious. While we're on this topic...
1: It's not a joke, by the way. Cannes was started as the anti-fascist alternative to Venice.
0: It lost to Brokeback Mountain. Okay. Many such cases. That's fine i can't get mad about that anyways sympathy for lady vengeance is another very complicated film both on a plot and moral level basically much like an old boy we've got a woman her name's gwen ja. the korean title of the film translates to kind-hearted Gumja, which is very different from the american title she is framed and sent to prison for the murder of a young child And while she's in prison, she's doing all these favors for people from mundane ones to giving someone an organ to killing someone who's not favored in the prison by poisoning her with bleach for three years to pretending to love a lesbian. Like she does all this crazy stuff to survive. She's doing Frankie teardrop shit in there.
1: (laughs) Sorry, I shouldn't laugh at it, but I did.
0: Once she gets out, she's sort of using all the favors she got from her fellow prison mates to track down the parents of other children who were killed by the real killer, who's a teacher who's also a serial killer. Did I mention this one's a lot less realistic than Mr. Vengeance? It's more absurd, but not less complex because of the absurdity and
1: we should say the film is not linearly structured the
0: first time i saw this i was stuck between the two mississauga ghost stations for like half an hour so i missed about that much of the film and i was like what the hell is happening because it's very non-linear more so than the other two it's jumping all over the place it's jumping all over space and time. Flashbacks are interwoven in. It's not actually like all that complicated.
1: The beginning of the film is her leaving prison. Basically, there's a little bit of the preamble about what happened. But then it's her leaving prison, and then she meets all the people that were in prison with her, and she talks to them, and then it flashes back.
0: It's very, very cool, and it makes more sense when you actually watch it versus when you hear it explained.
1: It's shockingly.
0: It's intuitive. Yeah,
1: it's shockingly intuitive, but. It's it's also worth pointing out on the subject of cancel culture that she became like a media sensation. Yeah. Because she was this 19 year old girl who in the minds of the media brutally killed this small boy and she's this young pretty girl. There's a quote about the dress she wore becoming a fashion trend.
0: I do love that but... Obviously.
1: Such a grim line.
0: She didn't do it, and she was framed by a man she was sort of having an affair with, a man who was much older than her, a man who was, thank God, not her father.
1: There's no incest in this film.
0: No, it's just parents being understandably mad about the murders of their children.
1: We've all been and we have
0: And because she's in prison for a long time.
1: She, like, hardens.
0: She also ends up losing contact with her own daughter and she sort of just has this protective sense of like I couldn't save my daughter.
1: Well that's the reason she was blackmailed into going along with being framed and confessing was her daughter was threatened by the guy who kidnapped her after.
0: This is a little throwback. There's a line in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance about good kidnappings and bad kidnappings. These are unambiguously bad kidnappings. This guy is a teacher who kidnaps Children because they annoy him, and he's saving money to buy a fucking yacht.
1: That line, the good kidnapping, bad kidnapping line, is reused in the film.
0: And this time around, it's bad kidnapping. No,
1: but she says, like, oh, he told me this was good kidnapping. We simply reunite them with their parents. She does the whole, they'll be stronger. Like, she does the exact same line.
0: She's manipulated into doing this, and then what she ends up doing is not so much manipulating. Well, she does end up manipulating a fair share of people in prison, but also doing. Genuinely kind acts. It's weird to describe killing someone as a genuinely kind act, but that woman was kind of a tyrant.
1: And was like forced someone to like eat her out in that one, but.
0: I will say, very few women in prison movies, which I should say this is not, but it does have like scenes of women in prison, acknowledge girl on girl prison violence of that nature, so. And when
1: there is like sexual violence in women in prison film, it's hot.
0: The character conceptually may be a bit problematic but it's very much not titillating
1: yeah it's kind of upsetting the scene there's just like a massive close-up of her face as she's breathing in and out you see it getting redder and redder and it's like Ugh. it has shades of that one bit in the piano teacher where she like jerks him off and it's like not letting him get off Fully. There's, like, similar there where there's just, like, this really upsetting sexuality. And, you know, we could talk about potentially problematic aspects of her as a character, but he did make The Handmaiden after. So we can consider that a potential apology. He then made a movie for the girls and the gays after, so. Yeah. Where were we in this fucking movie?
0: We were talking about basically what happens and what she was doing for people in prison, and she does all these little favors for them. So once she's out of prison, she's, like, you know, visiting them, It's like, where are they now? And she's sort of trying to track this man down. She's also trying to track down the parents of the other kids this guy murdered. He was a serial killer. Trying to explain the plot of this film is hard just because there's like so many little details just go watch it
1: yeah it's a great film it's on plex in canada if you want the experience of watching it with ads or you know just use an ad blocker like a normal human being.
0: it's on tubi um it played at the bytown a few days ago
1: all equally accessible services you can watch it online pretty easily And it's a great film. You should watch all these films. They're all really good. This or Mr. Vengeance is my favorite.
0: This one I feel like is kind of a happy medium between, to describe the styles in a very simplistic way of the other two films, Haneke versus PS2 cutscene. It kind of finds a happy middle. It's like, what if Michael Haneke made like Soul Calibur 4?
1: Oh, I would play the shit out of that.
0: You know how in Soul Calibur they had like Yoda and Darth Vader as DLC characters? They should make like a Soul Caliber game, but with Isabel Hooper and the piano teacher as a DLC character.
1: Sorry, we're getting super off topic, but
0: <laughs> Unlike Old Boy, Lady Vengeance actually fleshes out the sort of prison experience.
1: Well, the Old Boy prison experience is not really a prison, it's a guy.
0: She's much more of an active participant than Otisu was when he was locked up. And I mean, there's not much Otisu can do.
1: This is like real prison. This isn't just a guy kidnapped you to fuck with you for 15 years.
0: I don't want to say this film is less morally complex.
1: There's a clear good person here.
0: I will say there's very much a clear villain in the film who is played by Min Sik, who was Otisu in Old Boy, which I think is neat. Nice little throwback. And another nice little throwback is, you know, the two guys driving the car? Those two guys, the two assassins in the car, they're played by Song Kang-ho and Shin Ha-kyun, who were the businessman and the artist in Sympathy for Mr. Vengeance.
1: It all connects back.
0: It does all connect back.
1: Like all good thematic trilogies, they have... What's the guy who's in all three of the BRD trilogy? I'm forgetting his name right now.
0: Gunter Kaufman.
1: All trilogies need their Gunter Kaufman.
0: Speaking of the actors, Lee Young-ae as gwem One of the best performances...
1: I think what's good about her performance in this film is she embodies both the angelic martyrdom aspect of the character at the beginning of the film, where she's this pure moral vessel of angelic proportions. That everyone sees her as at the beginning and then she also embodies this woman who has just given up on being a good person.
0: What's interesting is after she murders the character of the witch, there's sort of a duality created. She still had the title of Kind-Hearted Gwemja, but she's also got the title of the witch now because she does good things for people on her good side, but you also do not want to fuck with her. That's a very interesting duality of the film.
1: It embodies a very inverted, almost christian morality about it i guess it's a little bit of catholic stuff in old boy but this one feels very influenced by a lot of christian themes and ideas but also the film is rejecting those but it's like playing with the imagery
0: i will say and this is not at all surprising park Chan-wook was raised christian but identifies as atheist this is a film made by someone raised christian who identifies as atheist
1: Yeah, where it's playing with the iconography of religion, but it's also very unsentimental and sort of iconoclastic about it.
0: Very much so.
1: He is not someone who will give a shit if he's theologically wrong about this, because he's just playing with the way the images look and using them to make a point.
0: I will say one thing about this film is there's very much a character who just straight up does not have any good reason for doing the things he does.
1: Well, he wants to get a yacht.
0: Guy and Mr. Vengeance, his daughter was kidnapped. That fucking sucks. Guy an old boy, his sister killed herself. That fucking sucks. This guy, he just got kind of annoyed by children. Which, frankly, if you're annoyed by children, I understand that. Maybe don't become a school teacher.
1: There's a lot of other jobs out there.
0: He's just like comically evil, and I guess that does kind of cut into the moral complexity of the film.
1: But it doesn't really, because then the ending with the parents, where they go, this guy is. Irredeemably awful, but what are we supposed to do with him?
0: What the film is interesting in what it does is rather than just presenting a very sort of gray moral world, it sort of presents one character who's just comically evil. Just unambiguously a bad person. He
1: literally records the children as he's killing them.
0: He kills children so he can have yacht money. Like, this is a guy who's just straight-up evil. You take someone who's straight-up evil and put them in a world with fairly normal people who react in fairly normal moral ways.
1: I love the ending with all the parents. Because as I said earlier, this movie is less... Like, it's about vengeance, obviously, but more than the other two, it's about what is justice? What would justice look like in this situation?
0: It very much interrogates that idea. And there's also a bit of, like, cab shit going on with the idea that the police are useless. It's like a kind of funny sort of a where it's like, the police are useless because they don't hurt.
1: I mean, it's the Dirty Harry sort of ideology. I don't think we're supposed to believe that what the parents are doing is right in killing him.
0: I feel like if you were to ask someone who, like, is a parent, they probably instinctively, there is a part of them that would want to do that if that were their kid. I don't know anything about being a parent, but I know my parents. I know how parents are, especially with young children. If I were to get killed now, I think my parents would be a bit less mad about it than if I were to get killed as, like, a two-year-old. i don't
1: want to say like the reaction isn't understandable but i guess from my own viewpoint i would rather not live in a society which is dominated by vengeance-based grudges and sort of sadistic exercises and torture, even if it is against the worst people ever. But I also can't say I don't understand why someone would want that, particularly if you had your child die. And I think that's what makes it complicated.
0: This film presents a situation that, with a less skilled writer than Park chan It could have very easily been, like, a dumb film, ideologically. It could
1: have been, like, a sort of fascistic film, very easily.
0: It's like, oh, who are the real bad guys? Where this film is like, there's a real bad guy, but it's like, what is normal morality when you start introducing this insane stuff? And the more I talk about this, the more I just nod my head and say, you can fucking tell a philosophy major made this film.
1: <laughs> yeah, this movie, in less skilled hands, would be a sort of sadistic revenge fantasy film. It would very easily be groupable, even though it is isn't a rape revenge film in that sort of mold. Some of those films, I think, are good for the record, but there can often be like a very reactionary tinge to them, or a reactionary tinge to this sort of crime film of being about the necessity of extrajudicial, sadistic violence against our enemies. I think that can very often become... Very very conservative
0: and just like an old boy there's also a sort of emptiness in revenge because Gwemja has her revenge but then like to what end is that now she has to go on living with the knowledge that she has done what is essentially an evil act even if the guy deserved it killing people she's killed people she killed him for killing people and now she's Killed
1: him. To sort of circle back to the Catholicism of the film in its own weird way, it reminds me of what Claude Chabrol and Romer said about Hitchcock, where Hitchcock's Catholicism, in their mind, was a Catholicism of a hell without heaven. This film is a film that very much believes that sin is a thing, but it doesn't believe that forgiveness straightforwardly is a thing.
0: It's like that Seinfeld clip where the therapist asks George Costanza, I thought you didn't believe in God, and he says, I do for the bad stuff.
1: Yeah, that's basically it. It is a religiosity, but it's a religion stripped of the ability for people. Like, people can still be good, but everyone is irreconcilably tainted.
0: It's like Calvinism.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a lot like Calvin. I can't help but relate to that as someone who was raised Christian but isn't Christian, you do in that environment if you sort of reject it often do develop a sort of God exists but for the bad things this very strong sense of the world being evil but also lacking the kind of transcendental solace of being like oh well at least heaven is real
0: and that's almost what the ending of the film is she's got this symbol of purity that is such a beautiful ending by the way the first time I saw that movie it just made me like sob you get like a real sort of sense of just the sort of emptiness she's feeling part of it is the direction part of it is the acting but that could very easily in the hands of a less skilled team be not nearly as good and it's just it's so incredibly heartbreaking and there's just something like very specifically upsetting about like a person crying while eating cake that's also why like dead ringers work so well and it
1: also mirrors the beginning where she's offered the tofu out of the prison and she rejects it
0: and that was something i did not pick up because of the go train being stuck but when i saw the first half hour of the film i was like okay that makes sense
1: I think all three of the films are full of all these little circularity about them and, like, re-referencing itself.
0: I am so fucking glad that I did not miss the first half hour of Old Boy.
1: Yeah, Old Boy, without the first half hour, you'd be like, what the fuck is going on? Across all three of these films, there's a real sense of circularity of violence. To pretentiously quote Nietzsche, it's like, time is a flat circle. I
0: really thought you were gonna go for the... Gaze into the abyss. I mean, that's
1: also definitely there. One doesn't fight with monsters for when he gazes, yeah, all that. But, like, all these films have a real sense of they all end where they begin, almost in a weird way.
0: These are films, all three of them, that I do not think could be made by someone who didn't major in philosophy.
1: There's a particular combination of majored in philosophy, raised Christian but rejected it, kind of verve to these sorts of films that I fuck with and i would wonder for someone who like wasn't raised in that sort of environment it probably wouldn't hit as strongly but i still think it would hit pretty strongly
0: you're looking at like me the one who came up with the idea to do this episode with no, the most Christian I was raised was sometimes we'd do Easter on the Greek Orthodox Day. That was the extent of my religious upbringing.
1: They work without that, but I think there's like an added layer of that sort of biographical aspect of knowing that about.
0: But my dad was a philosophy major, so...
1: <laughs> yeah, your dad was, yeah.
0: Which also explains a lot about him.
1: Across these three films, there's some of the most engaging and interesting film stuff that's been made over the last 20 or so years, unquestionably. Some of the most intelligent thrillers and dramas and crime, whatever classification you want to use for it, that have been made. All of the films are all deeply interesting. <laughs> Park chan wook more than any other kind of filmmaker at the moment, is really I guess, at least for me right now, capturing how I feel about the world.
0: One more thing I'd like to say about Lady Vengeance is there is a sort of class element to the film in the sense that the guy who's the killer, his motivations are entirely monetary, but unlike say Ryu in Mr. Vengeance, it's not a necessity. He doesn't need a yacht.
1: Well there even is class in that little bit where the parents are talking and one of them says, Oh, I worked so hard to get
0: I worked so hard to get my kid and this is a guy who teaches out like some Richie Rich School, he's killing the children of presumably mostly rich, but also some lower class parents who are busting their balls to get their kids into the school. And it's
1: like, I bet you could pay that kidnapping money really easily. We had to scramble.
0: Like crabs in a bucket. The real enemy is the guy killing your kids. The real enemy is capitalism.
1: The last thing that I should say that unites all these films is they're all really into, and I guess this is also very much the case in Decision to Leave, digital computer stuff, photographic memories, and how all these things interact. He has the video recordings of all of the children being killed, and he just keeps them. Or like the photo of the sister at the dam takes on all the significance. Across all of these films, one of the things that unites them is being very interested in how technology is a source of remembering how he goes back to the yearbooks and how he uses the internet to try to track down the stuff from his old high school and across all the films that's what really comes across is all of these computers and all this stuff as a means of remembering the past and how that colors our perception of the past which is also a theme i always interested in in film
0: these are themes that He continues to interrogate, you know, throughout his career, but his newest film, Decision to Leave, is more overtly technology-featuring than some of his other stuff. Like, The Handmaiden is a period piece, so obviously it's kind of exempt from that.
1: If you subscribe to the Patreon, you'll get us talking about Decision to Leave.
0: If you love to hear us talk about Park Chanuk, then... You'll be glad that the Patreon will have us talking more about Park Chanuk in which we will sing praises to his newest film, Decision to Leave, which you should definitely make the decision to watch.
1: It's in some theaters still, so check it out.
0: If you live in Ottawa, it's worth the drive to Kanata. That's how good it is.
1: I saw it twice and i loved it both times so we're just doing you a favor by putting it beyond the patreon so you don't get spoiled by accident because if we just kept talking about it some of you would hear about it you actually should give us money as a thank
0: you so we can buy a yacht
1: realistically speaking if we have money on the patreon that justifies dante spending all the time editing that he does
0: i'm gonna buy the fucking yacht